The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening, and I'm very glad that you are part of our Spirit of Recovery community, that you uh, like our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, that you put comments on there. It's great to hear those. And uh, also thank you for your emails, letting me know what's happening for you and your spirituality and your recovery walk. And thank you also for letting your friends uh, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. Thanks also for letting the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other spiritual community, your family, everybody that you know. Thanks for letting them know about us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. It is great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality, and it's great to hear from you, to know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you in your life, in your recovery, and that what the guests are uh, bringing to you are is really touching your heart and opening your mind and deepening your opportunity to grow spiritually and, and that uh, it's really making a difference for you. So thanks for letting me know about that. I appreciate it. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and they're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer, via your smartphone. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can... um if you have an uh, an Alexa-enabled device, you can go to Alexa and ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. You can on TuneIn. You can go to iTunes. Um, lots of ways to listen. You can also listen on demand. We've got lots of great podcasts. Go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery, and you can just find um, all kinds of great topics and great guests to listen uh, on demand. 
I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, um, you're welcome here. Or if you're just somebody that's curious about what addiction's about, what recovery's about, how that's related to spirituality, just glad that you're here and uh, you're very welcome. And I always want family members to know that they're, that family members can get in recovery as well as family members. There are uh, 12-step programs. There's uh, all kinds of support groups. There's lots of uh, therapy and all kinds of things for family members as well as for those uh, that have the primary disease of addiction. And sometimes people, we like to call them double winners, have both um, aspects of this disease, the primary um, substance situation or, or behavioral situation and also maybe family members or friends of those with addiction. And there's recovery for everybody, and that's really important for you to know. I want you to know also that if you like what you hear here on Spirit of Recovery or also the many other great programs on unityonlineradio.org, and if you'd like to, you can make a financial contribution and help support this nonprofit online radio station. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and um, you can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution if that's something that you would like to do. So, um, again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister, and I'm also an Addictions Counselor. And in addition to that, I'm a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And this month of May, 36 years ago, 1981, those relationships uh, got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And I'm so grateful because... Uh, the disease of addiction uh, in my circle of love and friendship has been a catalyst for my own spiritual growth. And um, I'm really grateful that I was guided into my recovery walk as a family member and friend. And so my walk continues to be an integration of unity and recovery principles. And that transforms my life and it keeps me growing in deeper ways. And uh, I'm grateful to be of service to have this opportunity to share these ideas with you here via Spirit of Recovery and um, to bring you great guests and to hear what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. Well, today we've got um, a, a great treat. I've got a wonderful guest as always. And we're going to be talking about Surrender and Services Sur- excuse me, surrender and service as practices for recovery. And, uh, you know, there's an, an old saying about practice makes perfect, but I, I've never really found that to be quite accurate. Pra- I don't know if practice makes perfect, but practices, spiritual practices, do contribute to your wholeness and make you whole. And, uh, you know, when we loosen our grip on how we think, think things ought to be, it frees us up. Um, into surrender, and it frees us up to be love and to be wisdom, to express that, which we are. And when we take action through service to this helpful to others, that's kind of, you know, the rent we get to pay, and it's a joyful kind of rent that we get to pay for our recovery, expanding and deepening. And my guest today is going to be sharing with us about that. My guest is uh, Reverend Margaret Flick. And Margaret is a person who is in long-term recovery. Uh, she has been sober for over 30 years, and she is also a licensed and ordained Unity minister. She's got a Master's in Divinity from Unity Institute, and she's the minister of Santa Rosa, California. 
She is going to be, uh, she's a volunteer. She's uh, always had a volunteer commitment all of her adult life. And uh, currently she is a volunteer at the hospice of Lake County in California. And she co-facilitates bereavement groups. And uh, she'll be sharing with us today about her ministry, and you can look up more about that if you go to unityofsantarosa.com, and you can look up more about what happens there through that ministry and what she's doing there. And also, um, so she's going to be sharing with us about that. She's going to be sharing with us why it is and how it is that, that service and surrender for her are such a spiritual path. And uh, she really believes that now more than ever, we need to develop our compassion and empathy for our fellow beings, both human and non-human, as well as developing a strong commitment to practices that conserve our resources and benefit the inhabitants of our beautiful Mother Earth. So, Margaret, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. Glad you're here. Yeah, me too. This will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see what unfolds here. I know you've got lots to, lots to share with us because your life is really rich and, and full. Would you tell us a little bit been, uh, how you got into recovery? Sounds like over 30 years ago. How'd that happen for you? Well, you know... Um it's interesting because um, I believe that Spirit speaks to us in many, many ways. And sometimes the ways that we hear um, Spirit are unusual. And um, I had been kind of spiraling down in my addiction um, for a, quite a while. And I had lost friends. I My life was really falling apart. But somehow I didn't really see any of that. And it wasn't till one day I was watching a TV program. It was Cagney and Lacey. And one of the characters admitted that she was an alcoholic. And I went, oh, my God, that sounds like me. And it was my first real inkling that maybe this was me. I had been in denial about it. You know, other people tried to tell me about it, and I just got mad at them. And, um, you know, it was it was one of those things where it took that to get me to realize that I had a problem. And I still didn't quite get it um, until somebody told me that if I continued, I would die. And I remember this moment as clear as yesterday. I was standing in my bathroom and I looked at my face in the mirror and I knew that if I continued, I would die. And I remember sitting on the floor and screaming out to God, either kill me or help me because I can't live like this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I felt completely helpless. I felt alone. I felt like I was in a box that had been getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and it was claustrophobic. There was like no way to turn. And I remember surrendering completely at depth to a power greater than myself, that quite frankly, I didn't even like at that time. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. exactly like God at that time, but it was it was profound. And I think, remember I used to hear that people would be grateful for being an addict or an alcoholic. I thought these people were crazy. You know, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this is awful. But I really get it now because I don't know if I ever would have surrendered to a power greater than myself 
at the depth that I did if I didn't have this, what some people call the disease. And it has changed my life and it has propelled me onto a spiritual path with joys and um, experiences uh, that I never, ever would have imagined would have been possible for me, including mm-hmm. being a minister. But if I hadn't had those experiences, I don't know if I would be who I am today, um, especially the humility part. It's, I always find it, you know, it's, it's hard to be real grandiose when you realize um, how you've hit bottom or where, where you've come from. You know, it's, there's a humility that, that comes along with that that I think has also been really, really crucial to my own spiritual growth and development. And um, surrender has been a huge part of my spiritual um, growth, and it continues to be. I mean, it's not that you – I surrender completely once, but it's something that I have to do every day. And, you know, especially when, you know, my ego starts to get involved, you know, I have to remember it's not about me. Right. Let me go back and ask you something about that. You said um, about what – what your concept or your uh, experience was of a God or a higher power um, before you got sober. You said that, uh, and sort of what propelled you to call on God, because you said you didn't even like God. So how did you, how did you, or how did you come to call on God? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one, I was that desperate. Let's put it that way. Uh But I grew up in a religion, um, that I'm very grateful for in a lot of ways. But the God idea was presented as very punitive, very angry, very jealous. And quite frankly, I'm like, if if God is God and God's all-powerful, why would God be jealous? You know, never made sense to me. I I used to question a lot, which um, wasn't real popular with with the nuns. But uh, (laughs) anyhow, I, I had this devotion to God. And then there was some part of me as I got older that didn't think God would love me for who I really was. God would only love me if I were perfect. And I especially didn't believe that God would love me as a woman because I got a lot of mixed messages about my worth as a woman, as a, as a female in that in my religion. And, you know, I know a lot of that has changed. But what happened for me is I just completely said, well, forget God. I have no interest in God, and I let go of God for a really long time. But when it came time for me to want to live, when I finally got to the place where I was so low and my world was so small, I thought, well, I've already surrendered to a power greater than myself, which is alcohol. I can surrender. It can't be any worse to surrender to God is, is kind of what I what I came up with. But part of my recovery has been to constantly, um, and as a minister as well, re-examine my ideas about God. Because what I finally came to was these were other people's idea of God and that we made God in our own image. We made God jealous and punitive because that's what we thought God would be like because, you know, whoever wrote the Bible years ago, you know, that's what what they felt. Um, But it didn't necessarily mean that's what God was. And 
so I kept having these experiences of having to surrender over and over again and tell people in my life what was going on and expecting the worst and instead miracles upon miracle would happen where people that I thought would be horrible ended up being loving and understanding. Um, You know, coincidences that weren't coincidences. Whenever I needed help, somebody would show up right at that moment and, and they would be there. And not only that, but the same thing happened where I was also an instrument of God. You know, I remember one instance where um, I felt compelled to cross the street. I have no idea why. I had no no interest in crossing the street. I didn't want to cross the street, but I listened to my guidance, and I, I did. And I ran into a woman who said, I can't believe you're there um, because I was just going to go take a drink. Hmm. And those things happened for me, and I know that I was also an instrument in helping other people. And so my idea of God started to grow. And I got to a point where I really needed to find uh, some sort of philosophy or religion that would take me deeper. And I shopped around and I shopped around and went to lots of different churches. And when I walked into the doors of unity, um, I knew I was home. And my first realization was they said, Mother, Father, God. It was such a comfort to me at that time because to be able to embody the divine feminine, something I could identify with, was huge for me. And I never left. I mean, and for the first two years, I sat in the back of the church and I cried. I just sobbed because I felt close to God. I felt loved. I felt for the first time I had a relationship with something greater than myself. And it wasn't punitive and it was, in fact, it was loving and it was just love itself. And I have been grateful for that ever since. And my idea of God continues to change. I've had incredible mystical experiences and things that have shaken me to my core. And I've come to realize how much I don't know. Um, my idea of God now is that my human mind will probably never be able to comprehend the enormity, the allness, the magnificence of of what we call God, spirit, source, universe, whatever it is for people. But I know that I can be connected and I can feel the presence of God. And that's where my journey has taken me. But it started on a bathroom floor in 1987, screaming for help to a God I didn't even like. But that understanding was very, um, it's not who I am anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and if other people want to call God, you know, father, mother, whatever it is, it, it's it's really a very personal thing because it's not like we can prove any of this, you know. Um, I remember Paul Hasselbeck one time, Reverend Paul Hasselbeck said that metaphysics is the, um, what is it, the... the the hypothetical study of the unknown. And uh, I've always loved that definition. So I feel that it's really important for people, especially in recovery, um, to be able to define God in the way that is most meaningful to them. But to be open to knowing that that might not be the end um, understanding for, for you or for anyone else, that we keep evolving in our consciousness and we keep evolving, evolving in our understanding of God and to allow that to happen. 
my my favorite quote uh, is from Meister Eckhart, who said, "You know, we must lose God to find God." And I, for a long time, I struggled with that, and now I get it. You know, we can't put God in a box because if we do, we're limiting. We're not only limiting God, we're limiting our understanding of God, and most importantly, we're limiting our relationship and our connection to God. And unity um, has just been the absolute um, greatest gift for me in my life because I get to have a relationship with, you know, the only presence that there is, and that's God the Good, Omnipotence. And it's it's made all the difference in my recovery, and it's made all the difference in my life, in my relationships, and in my path. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. T- tell us, um, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that's probably impossible to answer, but I'm going <laughs> to ask okay. you anyway, is what does it, what is surrender like? How do you know it's surrender? How, what's, what are some, how do you know when you've surrendered, or how do, what brings you to the brink of surrender, or, or, what is well, it? Well, actually, do do it? Doing, even doing a Sunday talk brings me to the brink of surrender. Mm-hmm. I surrender every Sunday. I surrendered before this show. Uh, it's Sometimes it's fear, and sometimes it is just knowing that um, if my ego takes over, I'm not going to have the quality of the experience that I want um, because I've gotten very clear through a number of uh, avenues in my life, that it's not about me. It is about me and the fact that I need to be willing to um, to be a part of this, to surrender, to say yes, to do my spiritual work. But in the end, if we truly believe that we're all connected, you know, it's not just about me. So surrender for me is letting go of my ego, of my personality, as Fillmore would talk about it, and more my individuality through through spirit, but that, you know, I am a channel and a vessel. Um, I, you know, I am part of something greater than myself, than just Margaret. You know, it's it's about something so much bigger. And every time I do that, I have an experience that would be so much better than if I had stayed in in my ego self because my ego self doesn't always have the greatest answers. I mean, that was got what got me into trouble to begin with. So, you know, that's maybe not the best source for me, you know, to go to that part of my my brain or myself or my personality. And I think that um, Annie, I love what Annie Lamott said. She talked about her her brain being a dangerous neighborhood. And um, it's, it is kind of like that. But when I find myself um, ruminating or having darker thoughts or getting obsessed about something, I know it's time for me to surrender to something greater than myself. And just, okay, you know, please, God, I just, I surrender. This isn't about me. You know, work through me guide me, let me know what what is mine to do, um, which brings me to all sorts of things, you know, whether it's changing my thoughts, um, changing my attitude, bringing me into compassion or empathy, or being of service, you know, there's there's lots of ways that surrender shows up for me. But it is just that feeling I get when I don't feel connected. And when I don't feel connected, a lot of times I can I can realize that it's ego taking over. And to me, hell is not feeling connected to God. 
Um, and I don't always feel connected, but sometimes you feel connected to a person or a nature or an animal, and that to me, is, they're all expressions of God. So when I feel I'm not connected, that's when I need to surrender. When mm-hmm. I'm in, spinning in fear or spinning in you know, um, self or spinning in um, negativity, that's when I need to surrender. So how do you do that when you find yourself in one of those places, as you say, spinning and negativity or the dark thoughts or feeling, I don't know, I guess this is not your word, but empty maybe or the disconnection. What do you do? How do you, how do you propel into that surrender? I just get really quiet and I allow myself, um, I take some deep breaths to center myself and I just allow myself to let go. And, you know, the old saying, let go and let God, and just allow God's presence to infill me. I mean, it's, I already feel like, you know, God is within us, but to, to be aware of the presence. So I allow myself to get quiet and to be aware of, of God's presence and to let go of thoughts. And it is, um, Sometimes it's it's depending on the situation. It can even even be like an inner scream, you know, help me. <laughs> you know, I surrender. <laughs> you know, I mean it can even get to that point depending on the situation. But it's um it is a just a total um falling into into God. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Even though I know there's one presence and one power, you know, there's also for me the three faces of God, you know, um, and sometimes that personal God is what I surrender to. And um, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a complete letting go. And, you know, not caring about um, what people think of me or what, you know, it's, it's not, it's just, it's letting go of of ego it's just letting go of ego and i think it's been a practice over time so this didn't happen all at once i mean the first time it did because i was desperate you know i thought i was going to die but every time i'm up against something it's okay i need to surrender i need to allow um something greater than me to guide me mm-hmm. when you're talking it, it makes that. you think of trust and that you're trusting uh, yeah, like it's that part it of is it? trust. It is trust, and it's it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe, but it's it is it's faith. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith that I know that I I am connected to something greater, and that um, that presence will. Um, guide me will um i don't know it's just like being in the presence of god it's it's not only that but it's it's at some point with enough practice to to feel like you are the presence of god um for yourself and for others and mm-hmm. it's a different feeling it's um there's no thought of what's in it for me there's like i know that sometimes people have a hard time about turning their will and their life over to God and wondering, well, well, what is that? Well, if it's all about, well, I'll be this and, you know, I'll get money and I'll get fame, you know, well, chances are that is not turning your will over. But if it's something that has to do with forgiveness or peace or love, 
and to connection to God, to something, um, to that to that inner um, beauty, to to want to connect with that and to feel the warmth and the presence of God. That to me is surrender. Um, mm-hmm. To know that nothing in the ego world is ever going to make me feel the way I do after I've surrendered. And yes. I don't know how to describe it any other way, but it's just, it is a willingness to let go and to not worry about the consequences. I think that's My, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, like, okay, well, I'll surrender to God if I get this. No, it's like, I'll surrender to God. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just trust and have faith. Right. Yeah, it's like what when you're talking about him. What I'm getting out of that is the the sense of not trying to rearrange the outer circumstances or dictate how they ought to be, nor trying to manage uh, impression, not trying to make yourself look a certain way. Is that Mm -hmm. part of it? Yeah. That's thank you. That's perfect. Yeah, it's it's not trying to manipulate the situation to your benefit. It's it's seeing what is, surrendering to something greater, and then allowing it to unfold in um, probably a, a way. Not just probably, it will always unfold in a manner that is far more um, gratifying than if you had manipulated the situation. If one had manipulated the situation. Um, stories of forgiveness, of, um, you know, um, just commitment to the spiritual path, commitment to constantly wanting to um, renew our mind. I mean, that's how we are transformed, to constantly be aware of our thoughts, to constantly be aware of what is my motivation. Like you're in an acting class, what's my motivation, you know? But instead, it's, you know, the motivation is to to know and to be a part of and feel connected to um, all the beautiful expressions of God on this planet as well as the overwhelming presence of God in, in everything. And, you know, the more we surrender to that, at least my experience, and I'm only speaking for me, is that um, it, things are so much better so much there's forgiveness and peace and love and joy and just this feeling of freedom um because there's almost a fearlessness in it because you just know that there is something greater and so you're not afraid of people i mean there are people that you watch out for i mean i'm not saying you're crazy you know but um it's just it's just different it's a different way of relating to the world well that's beautiful it's time for our break. So uh, I want to thank you, Margaret, for what you're sharing with us. It's um, it's very powerful, and I can just hear that in your voice, that joy and, and the energy uh, that of, of how you do feel, experience that relationship with God and, and with yourself, how you're letting go. It's, it's really uh, uplifting. Thank you so much. It's very stimulating and energizing. Yeah, so um, we're we're going to take our a brief break right now. So, uh, listeners, hang in there. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery, and when uh, we come back, we'll have the Serenity Minute, and then we'll continue um, our uh, sharing time, hearing what uh, Margaret has to say, and uh, we'll be right back. So, stay with us. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. 
Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm very glad that you've joined us today. Our topic is Surrender and Service Practices for Recovery. And we're talking about the idea of of um, letting go into God and, and letting that love and that light shine through us. My guest is Margaret Flick. Margaret is a person in long-term recovery. She's also a unity minister, and uh, she really believes that prayer, gratitude, and compassion um, and an open and receptive mind are prime ingredients for heart-centered, peaceful, and joyful life. And the uh, the practices of surrender and service are a really important part of her life, of her recovery, of her service as a minister. She is the minister of um, Unity of Santa Rosa, California, and a 2010 graduate of Union. Unity Institute's Masters of Divinity program and an ordained Unity minister. She volunteers for the Lake County Hospice Bereavement Program and is also a frequent guest speaker. You can learn more about her and her ministry if you go to unityofsantarosa.com. So before I get back to my conversation with Margaret, I'd like to invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, which is an opportunity to relax, to let go, tend to make that conscious contact uh, with your higher power as we've been talking about today, as Margaret's been sharing with us. So I do invite you to relax, to be aware of that loving presence as relaxation and peace in the very crown of your head, and allow that relaxation to move through your face, through your neck and shoulders and arms and hands. To feel relaxation as it moves through the trunk of your body, through your legs and feet. And to allow your heart to open, let your mind open, and share with me this constructive idea. I'm a beautiful expression of life and love. I am an essential part of the goodness of life. I am a beautiful expression of life and love. I am an essential part of life. I'm an essential part of goodness. And now I invite you to relax for a moment in the quiet. friend for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to feel that presence and that power that is your higher power as you understand it. So now I'm back to my conversation with Margaret Flick, and she is sharing with us about surrender and service. So, um, Margaret, before the break, you were talking with us uh, again about your experiences of surrender and being part of, of that that experience of life and and uh, 
letting go of, of the need to try to manage or control things in the outer. Is there a specific experience that you had? You, you talked about that you had had some mystical experiences. Is there one that stands out for you or that you'd uh, be willing to share with us today? Yeah, there's a couple of them. And, and while we were on break, it just occurred to me, because surrender is such a automatic thing for me now, I'm realizing that this experience I had, and some people, especially my congregation and others have heard about this, but um, was when my dad was dying. And um, I'm realizing that my surrender experience is very similar, which is to first acknowledge where I am, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, forgive myself for... Um, you know, whether it's beating myself up or feeling negative, but that forgiveness and then to get quiet and then to just completely let go. And what that was pretty much what I did um, when I my dad was dying. My father and I had kind of had a difficult relationship, but when he had Parkinson's, it was like the parts of his brain that were angry just kind of let go. And um, we were able to actually have a a nicer relationship, oddly enough. But I remember um, he was dying. It was Christmas Day. He said he would be dead by Christmas, and he did, in fact, die on Christmas Day. But it was um, he was completely comatose at that point. His Parkinson's had, you know, he was completely deteriorating. His functions were shutting down. And I remember my husband and my, my mom had left the room, and I was with my dad, and I had been reading the book by Soyal Rinpoche, the Tibetan book of living and dying. And I did a ritual um, with him, which was the first part was forgiveness. And I just told him, even though I know he wasn't fully conscious, um, that he was forgiven and that I forgave him and that I hope he forgave me and that I know that God loved him and forgave him. And um, I, I just said that with all the love in my heart. And then the second part was to just go into the silence. And I meditated for a little bit with him and speaking to his spirit, basically. And the third part was to radiate all the love in your heart to the other person. And I did that. And when I did that, um, it's, I don't know, there aren't words in our language to describe what happened, but it's like everything fell away. Um, I was in a different state of consciousness. I was, I believe, in a field of pure love. It was the most powerful experience I have ever had in my life. It was so powerful, I could only... um, absorb that kind of energy for a few minutes without feeling like I was just going to probably explode. But it was so powerful. Um, It was beyond, like I said, it was beyond death and it was beyond any kind of definition or words, but it was, I felt my father radiating the love back to me. And it was, like I said, it, it really changed me at depth. It transformed me at depth. Because uh, all those things that Fillmore and um, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin talked about love being the most powerful force in the universe, I experienced a part of that. And it was, um, 
it was mind-blowing. I mean, really, it truly was. And I remember after he died, I had this experience of Bodhicitta where it was like all these images of people all over the world were coming to my brain. You know, one mother was holding a dying child. Another man was sitting in a hotel room crying because his girlfriend had left him. And another one um, where, where people grieving over a loved one. It was like all the people that were grieving and I were connected. And it was people I had never seen before. But I just I came with the idea that we are never grieving alone, that we're always grieving together because we are all connected. And I felt so connected to God, to the world, to everything. Like I said, it was the most powerful experience I've ever had, and the English language fails me in being able to describe it. Mm-hmm. But after that experience, and I was in school, um, when we were doing our chaplaincy um, internship, um, I had an experience where there was a, a patient that was I was really having a hard time getting through to. I really felt like we weren't making a connection. I just felt there was lots of ego involved, probably on both our parts, like me wanting to be a good chaplain and him wanting to be evasive. <laughs> and um, I just, at that moment, I got the idea to just, Margaret, stop talking. And I got really quiet, and I just concentrated on being present and I really felt guided through this and pretty soon I lost all sense of self and I felt like I was just in pure presence and it lasted a few moments and then after that he completely changed the patient completely changed and we had an incredible connection and experience and he was able to see his life in a different way and It had nothing to do with me. I'm so clear on that. But it was being that present for another person and letting go and just being being the connection that allowed, it was just, it was like it transformed both of us. So those are the kinds of things that I've experienced when I let go of my human self and just allow God to work through me. Wow. Thank you for sharing those with us. They, uh, are very uh, moving and uh, certainly profound. It it strikes me too that those are you know you talk about service uh, certainly being a very essential part of your life and and that you and a part of your recovery. So those are both examples of service. How mm-hmm. how does that that sense that you know that you know that you are loved, God is loved, that you know that connection is there with God, with yourself, with other people. How does that inform the service that you give? And, and what are some of the ways that you, that you do service as, as a spiritual practice? Some other ways. Obviously, those are both uh, aspects well, of Well, I mean, ministry is one. Um, also, my, my work in you know, bereavement and hospice. But one of the things that, that I've, I've – this is me, my definition, that there's a difference between helping and being of service. That helping, there's sometimes a hierarchy. I need help, so I ask for help, which is also a really good spiritual practice, especially for those who are early in recovery. Um, Asking for help is huge because we don't have all the answers. And so if I need help moving, I ask somebody for help or, you know, whether it's going to a therapist or whatever, but it's, it's different. Service to me is realizing that whatever service you do, you are the one being given the gift. Um, Hospice bereavement is an example. 
when people uh, are open and vulnerable to sharing their grief, it is such an honor and a privilege to be witness to that. They are giving me the gift. You know, and I think that's the difference for me about being of service, that you go in with your heart open, willing to be present and witness to what other people need you to be a witness to. But in the process, what happens is you end up being transformed. And so service to me is is very sacred. It is, um, and it was the same with hospital chaplaincy. I did end up doing a unit of CPE um, after school, and it was um, it was unbelievable because you go into these rooms and people are so vulnerable and they're so open, and you know to just have the honor of being. Uh, privy to their life review, what they loved, what they regretted. It's just, it's an amazing way of being of service. And one thing that I identified for myself, you know, in retrospect, it certainly was not at the time it was happening. But when I first joined my, my the Unity Church in San Francisco, the one on Ocean, um, I remember I wanted to be of service because I wanted to be able to be a part of the community. And then I was a part of the community, and then I wanted to be of service just to serve God, to give back, because I was so grateful I had my life. I was so grateful I didn't die. I was so grateful that I had a job and friends and you know my life that I wanted to be able to give back. And the third phase of service for me is that you, it just becomes who you are. And it just, it doesn't even matter. It's like you see somebody who needs something, if you can give it to them, you give it to them. I mean, I'm talking within boundaries, but it's not like you wait for gratitude or you do it for any kind of reason like people say, oh, isn't she wonderful? Most of the time you try to do it so nobody even knows because it's not about ego. It's about that feeling once again of just being so being connected to the point where it's just we're all connected so if I have something and you need it here you you take it you know that kind of an idea um whether it's seeing somebody who is in grief you know maybe you'll go up and say is everything okay you know but you have a sense of it you it's a practice it doesn't happen overnight it's it's this has been a long 30 year process for me so um but to have that sixth sense of when someone is going to want comforting or if somebody needs uh, just a, a shoulder to cry on or somebody to talk to, um, you know, that's to me being of service um, as well as formal commitments, you know, um, and that's serving in churches, you know, people who have the service commitments, I see their spiritual growth because they're pushing the envelope of their comfort zone and again, when you realize how much you get back, you realize that every opportunity for service, whether it's feeding the homeless or doing bereavement or, you know, cleaning up the parks or whatever it is, you are being given the gift, the gift of, of being able to um, do an esteemable act, to be able to um, uh, to be of service, to be able to see something in a different way, to be able to make the world a better place. In a, it doesn't matter how small or how large the gesture. It's just, um, it's, it becomes a sacred practice, and it becomes who we are. And 
again, it's not about ego. It's not about thinking, well, I'm doing this, so I'll get this. That's not being of service to me. That's that's something else. I don't want to label it, but that's that's not always being of service. It may start out that way, but if you allow service to um, to really unfold for you, you'll find that uh, it will transform you. It will transform mm-hmm. you in ways you cannot even imagine. That brings me to two questions. Is one is uh, I guess that how does this uh, experience you have of, of what you're talking about of service um, affect your recovery? How, what is the effect on you with that? And how has it transformed you? How all this, how has it transformed you? Well, I know that my recovery is, is still, you know, addiction can, can trade places, you know, so now I have to let go of the chocolate, so I'm working on that. <laughs> but... Um, Service has, how it has, the surrender and the service, how it has informed my recovery in the fact that um, more and more I do not look to things outside myself. It's all about what is going on within me, to um, whether it's the prayer and the meditation and definitely forgiveness work. Um, that has led to my having a recovery that is um, more meaningful to me than um, I mean, all of recovery, uh, especially if you're in a 12-step gr- uh, group, so much is about being honest with yourself, being aware of what motivates you, being aware of the games that you play, being authentically who you are and being honest about who you are so that when you are being of service, you come in with your authentic self and when you're authentic, there's no need to hide who you are with drugs or alcohol or any of the other addictions because you know you're okay just the way you are. And other people know that they can be okay just the way they are because everybody's willing to be vulnerable. And I think that's what service has also taught me is um, every time I've been of service, it's another a vulnerability, me going in really not knowing what I'm doing at first and being willing to just to learn, being humble enough. And not it doesn't always happen. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm going to be ready for sainthood because, <laughs> Lord, that is not the truth at all. But, again, it's a process. You know, um, there are days that I succeed and there are days that I fall down. But it's getting back up and going, okay, next time I'll be more skillful. Next time I'll be more aware or I'll prepare better or whatever it might be. But it's that, it's that willingness to, to keep moving forward in our spiritual growth and to not be afraid to admit we're wrong or that we are feeling whatever we're feeling, um, to give ourselves compassion and be able to give others compassion. And... That, to me, is another part, a big part of service. It's motivated by love and compassion. And, you know, hopefully at some point it's only motivated by love and compassion. Yeah, what you're saying is so important about uh, that and about the vulnerability. That's true because addiction is all about hiding and trying to manage your image and you know, manage and control everything around you, and and what you're talking about is the complete obverse. That's really that really is recovery. It's about being you, and mm-hmm. as you say, being willing to be wrong, 
being willing to not know, be the bumbling, you know, uh, newbie, so to speak, in mm-hmm. anything. Try things you don't know how to do. Push your because comfort the zone. Thing is, Nobody's perfect. Nobody just, you know, jumps in a car and drives or whatever. I mean, you know, we all have a learning curve. Some people have different skills than we do, but we all have something to give. And when we realize that everyone feels pain and grief and fear and anger and joy, no matter who they are, you know, we're we're not so separate. It's just our, our addictions have made us feel separate, but we're not. And it's it's that better than, less than world. You know, that's stuff we made up in our head. You know, we have decided that, you know, if you drive this car, you're better. I mean, that just doesn't even make sense when you really break it down. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's what we've done in this culture. And it is, I think, bred a lot of addiction because nobody feels like they measure up. And the truth is, everybody does. We're all okay. We're all perfect. We're all amazing. And when we're willing to be vulnerable, that's when we break that barrier, that wall that separates us, and we're able to be so present to each other. And it's amazing. I mean, it you, it really is. There's a freedom and a fearlessness once you agree to be vulnerable. But most people are afraid to be vulnerable. And if somebody doesn't, you know, says something to you or whatever or doesn't appreciate your vulnerability, that's on them. That has nothing to do with you. But I know that since I've been more willing to be vulnerable and to not pretend that I'm perfect, my life has been so much happier and so much easier. And my relationship with complete strangers is different, you know, um, especially where I live now is in the country. But even so, even if I'm back in the city, um, I don't know, I'm not as afraid of people anymore. That has been lifted, and that is, you know, part of the joys of recovery is all the things we were afraid of, we made up in our head. It doesn't mean they're true. Right. I want to thank you, Margaret. Our our time is up, and uh, you have really uh, shared so richly, and uh, and you are that space of compassion and empathy uh, that's really making a difference in our world. You are that space where it's okay, yeah, for us all to be ourselves. So thank you. Thank you for your recovery. Thank you for screaming out on that bathroom floor 30 years ago. <laughs> and thank you for saying yes on a daily, absolutely, monthly basis. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. It's It's meant a lot to me to be able to get in touch with this stuff again. Thank Yay. you. You're so welcome. Yeah, you have blessed us. And listeners, I want to thank all of you for being with us today. Thank you. And I know, too, that you also are those spaces of compassion, love, and service. So have a blessed week and know that uh, you are loved, you are loving, and all is well. God bless, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Have you heard the quote, dream lofty dreams, and as you dream, so shall you become? Your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. Do you have a dream that you've put on the shelf because it seemed too good to be true for you or out of reach? I hope you'll consider resurrecting that dream because you'll never really be happy until you at least try. The great visionary Walt Disney once said, All of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. At Unity, we believe that you have the power within you to realize your dreams by applying the proven spiritual principles we share. You will learn how to become the joyous, dynamic, fulfilled person you're meant to be. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.